there has to be some things that we put away. And there's some things that we have to put on. We ought to be angry about some stuff going on in the church, but not let it degenerate into a wrong kind of anger. Our words should speak grace to other people. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. All right, let's move forward. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And remember, uh, we're talking about we care, and we care about each other, and we care about the lost, and, and certainly we care about God, and we care about what God cares about. All right? We care is the theme, and today we're teaching about caring for one another. Yeah, uh, several weeks ago, just this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, just, just come to my mind, and, and for it to be um, our, our springboard into this four-part series Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and it says, Be kind, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has already forgiven you. Hey, listen, everybody. You, you know there's a certain way we're to, we're to treat each other. Did y'all know that? And there's a certain way we as Christians treat all other people. But, you know, there really is a certain way as Christians um, um, that we treat each other. Did y'all know that? The book of Ephesians is really an awesome book, and uh, I've gone through it several times and outlined it and themed it with different themes, but but one thing you can't get away from the book of of Ephesians is this, is that chapter 1 and chapter 2 kind of tells you uh, who you are in Christ, and then chapters 3 and 4 and 5, it it tells tells you how you're to live as a Christian. And so it's, it's, that's a very interesting way to break down the book of Ephesians. So we see here in the book of Ephesians that God says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving, and, and forgive as God has forgiven you. Now, I find it very interesting. As I thought about it, I went back to verse 25, really verse 22. And it says that there has to be some things that we put away. And then it says there's some things that we have to put on. And so as Christians... Before we can be that all that we can be and how we can care for each other the way that we're to care for each other, be the church we're supposed to be, we see here that there are some things that we have to take off in order to put some things on so we can be that what we can be. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah? You know, this past week we were seeing in our, in our uh, small group study, uh, the book I Will, we saw this past week that um, it says that we're to be a unifying church member, that we're to be a sacrificial church member. It says that we're to be a prayerful church member. And then it says we're to be a joyful joyful church member. Everybody read that last week? Isn't that all good stuff? Those are the things that we're supposed to be. And the reason that we are and that we need to will ourselves to be that kind of a church member, and we'll see here in a minute in Ephesians chapter 4, is that our attitude determines our actions and who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. You see, if you're jealous and if you're bitter, you're going to have a certain action. If you're, if you're gracious and if you're forgiving and all those things, then your actions are going to be different. And so God wants a church who has the right characteristics and attitudes so it can be the right kind of church to reach the people in the church and outside of the church. Does that make sense, everybody? So go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verse 25, and we're going to read this together, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. 
And it says, therefore, laying aside all lies. In the New American Standard, it says falsehood. Hey, anybody here ever tell a lie before? Raise your hand. All right. Anybody who hasn't told a lie, raise your hand. Yeah, that works a little bit better. <laughs> you know, and I said, if you never, if you ever, if you ever told a lie, raise your hand. About half of you didn't raise your hand. So that makes you a, just a liar. That's <laughs> the way I see it. Yeah. How about you, Denise? Is that the way you kind of see it? So God says here, he says, uh, he says, put it away. Everybody listen. If you're a Christian, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you must put away all lying. It has no place in, the, in, in, in your life of being a Christian. It has no place. That, that word put off in the Greek, it, it, it has the word picture, and I love the Greek language and, and because there's a word picture that goes around with most words, but, it's, but it gives the word picture of taking an old coat off and throwing it down. And you know, that's what it's like in the Christian life, and, and here's what he's telling us here. Is he's saying, okay, you want to be the church that influences people in the right way? You want to influence each other in the right way? He says, number one, you got to stop lying and you got to tell the truth. Now, listen up, everybody. We understand that uh, we know that lying is wrong, but you know, I want to bring it over here to this, is that you know that we kind of listen to a lot of lies, don't we? And I, I think this verse here that we can make the application is, is this, is that, is that, you know who the father of lies is, everybody? It's Satan. He lies and he lies and he lies and he lies. He'll tell you what's bad is good. He'll tell you what good is bad. He will lie. He will lie about your church. He will lie to you about what other people are doing in your lives. He'll lie to you, lie to you, and lie to you, and lie to you. But listen to me, Cornerstone. If we're ever going to have the right characteristics and attitudes that God wants us to have, we got to stop lying, but we got to stop listening to the lies of the devil. We've got to stop listening to the bads are good and the goods are bad. And we've got to stop listening to the things that are in the world today. And we've got to start listening to the Word of God. Everybody say amen. That's what we have to do. Now, so we put away lying and we put on telling the truth. You know, let's not lie to each other. Let's make sure we tell the truth to one another. Let's make sure we tell the truth to those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Hey, listen to me. We got people in our own congregation. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're going through things. And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll just kind of tell them a little white lie and say, well, it's okay if, if that's happening, you know, this. But no, we need to tell people the truth. Everybody say amen. We need to be truthful, truthful, truthful. All right, look at it here in verse 20 and 25. It says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each other of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In other words, we are the church. We're the local church. We're the called out assembly of people. Notice next, it says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer but rather he must labor performing with his own hands, which is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that in it will we'll give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, he kind of sums it up here in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. Do y'all know what clamor is? A lot of us don't know what clamor is. It's when you get so mad and you just start yelling. You ever done that before? You, you put your kids? You shouldn't. No clamor, it says. And slandered be put away from you as uh, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Here it is. Be tender-hearted forgiving each other just as God and Christ also has forgiven you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning and we thank you for the word of God that we have and that it's truth and that it's infallible and it's inerrant and there's just no mistake in it and we can trust it. Lord, help us just to um, just to grow into being um, um, the church ministers, Lord, that you'll have us to be. Lord, we just pray that we'll, that we'll just take some things off and make sure we put those right things on, off with the old, on with the new, Lord, that we can give you great glory, and so that we can be that church that certainly cares for one another and cares about other people, Lord. We, we just love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, we already looked at there. Number one, uh, we're to exchange lying for speaking the truth. Hey, listen, no lying, right? Take off the line, no more line. That's the old man. Take it off and then speak in truth. Now look at number two, and here's one that makes uh, that probably hit, hits home a little bit more than perhaps that one does. But number two, number two, if I can find it in my notes here. Number two, second, we exchange unrighteous anger for righteous anger. Unrighteous anger for righteous anger. It says, be Ye angry, and the King James it says, and that's, of course, what, I, what most of us have memorized, but be ye angry and sin not. Now, did you know that there's three categories of sin? Anybody know that? There are actually three categories of sin, and they come from Greek words, and we won't go into that. But one has to do with boiling fury, and it literally means to go up and smoke. It means that you just completely lose it. Now, that's one anger. That's kind of like rage, if you will. You know, it's like when you're talking to somebody and you can see them boiling and boiling and boiling, and then all of a sudden their eyes just flip around in their head and it's white and that person's disappeared. And so, and then the rage starts. That's that's called thumos. That's the Greek word. That's, that's the anger that that describes. And what God says is this. Everybody listen up. God says that has no place in the new Christian's life. He says you take that kind of anger and you put it away. And, and here's the thing about any of these things, whether it's lying or here we're talking about anger. Now listen close. We have to will ourselves not to do it. It's not going to come natural to us. I mean, when situations happen and things happen in your lives and you start feeling that boiling coming up or that lie start coming up, the Bible says you got to put it off. You got to do away with it. We have to will ourselves. It's not going to be natural, right? But that's what that thumos, and God says that anger, that boiling, that rage, he says that is an unrighteous anger, and he says you got to do away with it. Now listen to me close, moms and dads, listen to me. If that's you, and you do that oftentimes with your wife or with your husband or with your family, you're wrong. And, and you need to repent from that. Because that's not doing your family any good. You're not being the Christian parent that you're supposed to be. Look, anger is an emotion, and, and, it's, and, and it can be a righteous emotion. But when it gets to the point that it starts boiling and rage comes out, and then we react in situations, 
There is no way to justify that. God says on that, he says, listen to me, Christians, you got to put it away. There's no excuse. What do you do? You repent from it. You turn from it. You go to God and you place your heart before him and you ask him to take those things away. It's like any other sin because anger that is unrighteous is a sin and you deal with sin like you deal with all sins. You repent them before God. All right, now I know there's, there's some people here, and I know that anger is one of those things that probably two-thirds of you struggle with, but God says we got to do away with it because you know what happens is, is that anger, we're talking about our church, right? That kind of anger sometimes comes into the church family, and that just really messes everything up in the church and what we're doing for the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach people and what we're doing with missions. Anger has to be put off, right, everybody? Now, there's a second anger and when we're looking into, into, into this text, and that second one is that inside seething, fuming resentment that comes out of jealousy or envy, and it's just sort of seethes. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's that seething anger, and until you become, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, you seethe until you become an ugly, moody person and become bitter. God says that kind of anger is unrighteous and it needs to go. You know, we see that happen. We see people who get angry. You know, here's an example. Um, 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 They take something that someone says and they just think about it. And they, and they just keep processing it. And then that person just keeps getting, starts seething on the inside and they can't let it go. And that goes and it goes and it goes until they become moody, until they become angry, and then they become bitter. And then they just sometimes just are rude to other people. That's a kind of anger that God says that you've got to put it away You've got to take it off. Just like you take off an old coat and you throw it down, you take that kind of anger. He says that has no place. And in the church, that kind of stuff has no place in the church, right? That's what this is talking about. Now, there's another kind of anger that we understand, and it's a righteous anger. It's a righteous anger. And here's what I want us to understand from that, is that um, anger is an emotion that we're all going to have, right? Jesus got angry several times, didn't he? I mean, the Bible says he, he went into the temple and there were these money changers and they were changing money and it says that he turned the tables over and he took a whip and he drove them guys out of there. I mean, you know, but here's the thing is you ain't Jesus, <laughs> right? <laughs> but there is righteous anger and here's what it is. And I know this isn't going to make it, this, let this make sense to you. There are things that should get us angry. You know, let me just back up a minute. You know, if someone comes up to my kid and tries to harm my kid, even though they're all grown up, or maybe my little granddaughter, Kimber, down here that's five months old, you know, someone says something about one of those kids, I'm going to be angry, right? But I've got I've to make sure it doesn't get to those, to those places to where it's boiling, where it's seething. But here's the thing. Is that, is that the anger that Christians are supposed to feel and what we should feel is the anger that God feels. Now, we're never going to be God, but you know we know that sin angers God, but we don't take that anger out on a person. We take it out on that sin, on, the, on Satan, right? Am I right? 
So a righteous indignation or a righteous sin isn't showing ourselves. It's not about being selfish unto us, but it's about it's about what hurts. But it's about what hurts God's and what make what makes God hurt. And we can have that righteous indignation about that. Now look at something about anger real quick here. I want you to notice. Notice this. So let me let me give you this real quick. This is this is this this will be good. We are to get angry. We are going to get angry, but 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 we we can't sin. Now, Psalms chapter seven, verse ten says this. It says, "You that love the Lord hate evil." It says, David says in Psalm sixty nine nine. It says, "Zeal for thy house has eaten me up. The reproaches that are falling on thee are falling on me." So he's saying, God, I can tolerate what people do to your, I cannot tolerate what people are doing to your name. Now, now, look, we're going to get angry, and I hope I never get angry about what happens to Ron Fox. I hope I always get angry about what happens to God's holy name. Everybody see what we're saying? And I hope that I never stop getting angry about that because we should have a basic built-in righteous anger that is a programmed anger over sin, a programmed anger over evil that puts us in the spiritual mentality so that whenever I see sin, be it in you or be it in me, I mourn in my spirit. The anger that is selfish, passionate, undisciplined, uncontrolled is sinful, it's useful, it's useless, excuse me, and it's hurtful. It must be banished from the Christian life. That's what we're saying this morning. God says, take it out. You know, we ought to be angry about a lot of stuff that's going on in the world. You take abortion, well, that should get us angry, right? but it should be a spiritual anger that we hate the sin and that it drives us to pray for people and maybe to give to things that, that'll, that'll stop abortion, but it's never that you go out and you get to the point to where you have this boiling over and saying ugly and rude things because that's just sin itself. Look, we ought to be angry about some stuff going on in the church, but not let it degenerate into a wrong kind of anger. And so he says, be you angry and sin not. He says, don't go to bed. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't be a resentful, angry person. What is he saying? He's saying, Christians, you got to deal with it. Husbands and wives, you get angry at each other. Don't go to bed until you, until you, until you fix it. Repent from it. Talk about it. Communicate about it. Don't go to bed angry. The point being that if you do have the wrong kind of anger, if you've got the if you got the anger that is sin, then deal with it now. Don't sleep on it. Don't go to bed with it. Face it and deal with it. And you know, all through the New Testament, we're told that when we face sin, we are to deal with it now and we're to repent, we're to confess, and we're to turn from it. And it's the same thing with this kind of anger. That kind of stuff, that kind of unconfessed anger, anger that isn't really dealt with, you know, it's really a bad thing. When you have that angry, unforgiving spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. He says, Satan will get advantage of you. You know that? When we let anger go in our lives, in other words, we got righteous indignation, and that's all good, but it, when, when it becomes selfish and about us, when it becomes sin, you know what happens? is Satan gets a hold on us. 
and it bankrupts us. That's, that's at the point where we start saying things to people that are ugly and crude just because it makes us feel better. We don't like something that's going on and we think about it. It just boils in our stomachs and, and it just comes up and then all of a sudden we say things to people. In, in our homes, we get frustrated with one another and instead of dealing with it, we let it go and we let it go and we let it go and the next thing we do, it just plops out of our mouth, it plops out into our actions and just Satan has a field day in our families. Can I get an amen? God says, take that stuff and get it out of your life. He says, you're, you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. He says, old things have passed away, new things, behold, things are made new. We are a new creature. God says, put that kind of stuff off. But listen to me, it takes a will. We can't sit there and say, oh, I'm just naturally, I'm never going to get angry again like that. That doesn't work. We've got to will ourselves. And when it starts happening in our lives, we've got to get it out of there, everybody. We've got to get it out of there. We've got to will it. We've got to will ourselves. Number three, number three. That's anger. He says, get it out. If we're going to be that church that cares for other people, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to take some, some things off and put some new things on. Number three, the third thing, and here's another practical one. When you become a Christian, he says, you are exchanged stealing for, sh- for sharing. No more stealing, but you got to share. Now, I don't think you have to be a theologian to figure that out. Listen, um, if you still stop stealing, stealing and get a job so you can share with other people. Everybody, that would fix our, our welfare system, wouldn't it? Number four, um, he says corrupt communication will, will be exchanged for edifying words. He says, he says you can have some corrupt communication. Is that what he says? No. He says no corrupt communication. No corrupt communication. Corrupt uh, that word in the Greek means rotten. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was barbecuing outside. I was barbecuing outside, and I think we were—I think it was pork chops. And um, um, I, I had too much meat, and so I tossed a pork chop um, over into the trash can and closed the lid. And so that was about two or three weeks later. And I went back out there yesterday and opened up the trash can. That meat had rotted, and there were maggots, and 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 it was just it was just rotten. It smelled horrible. That's what this word corrupt means, and it has to do with something that is worthless and useless, that is diseased. He's saying that we've got to get that corrupt communication, that communication that is not edifying to the Lord Jesus Christ is corrupt. Those 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 that corrupt communication, talking behind someone's back saying ugly things about somebody in the church. That happens in the church. Did you know that? He's saying that you take that corrupt communication and you put it away. He says it's rotten. It stinks. It's horrible. He says put it away. Put away that kind of communication. That has no place in the church. That has no place in the body of Christ. That has no place in the Christian home. That has no place. He says put it off. Put it away. Right? You know what? You know what? You know, it, sometimes you know when you when you talk about people, all you're doing is you're stepping on them so you can lift yourself up. But that's corrupt communication, and God says it's got to be out of there. And listen to me, it cannot be tolerated in the church either. Gossip, whispering behind someone's back, it's, it's not tolerated. God says it's a sin, and you got to put it away. The next one, God says. 
He says, look at verse 30. He sums it all up. Well, let me back up here just a minute. I, I, I want to give this to you. Um, there should be three features of speech of a new man. Look at verse 29. Here's the way the church um, speech should be. First, it should be edifying, it says here, which is good for edifying. Good for edifying. When you talk, if the Lord is keeping watch over your lips and, and you open your mouth, whatever comes out should build, should build other people up. Edifying means building others up. We should build others up. Number two, it ought to be necessary. Uh, in the King James, it says in verse 29, that little phrase, to the use. When we talk, we shouldn't talk just to talk. It should be necessary. You know, I remember as a kid, and, and we used to spend a lot of time with my grandparents, but I would say I would, I would say to my grandma, I said, you know something about so-and-so, and she would say, is that really necessary? That's kind of what, what the Apostle Paul is saying here, because I think of a lot of what we say isn't really necessary. So what he's saying is good communication is make sure that the, communi- the communication is necessary. You know, I read some of you guys' Facebooks, and is really some of your posts really necessary? I hear some rants. I, I read some rants. Is that really necessary? Sneak off after church and after a business meeting and you go talk. Is that really necessary? That's corrupt communication. God says, take it out. High school kids, is it really necessary? Look at the next one for good speech. He says, uh, he says, uh, gracious that it may serve grace to the hearers. You know, I love that. Our words should speak grace to other people. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. We should, we should be blessing others with our speech, not bringing them down and not talking about them. No corrupt communication because a church that, is, that God's going to bless, that God is going to bless is a church that has good communication and that realizes that and matures past that. And then he sums it all up, the final contrast. Um, look, at, look at verse 30. He says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed to the day of redemption. Did you know that the Holy Spirit uh, can get sad? And, and when we're sinning as, as Christians, it, it saddens the Holy Spirit in our lives and, of course, in our church. Now, notice the final contrast here in verse 31. And he just kind of sums it all up. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be putting away from you with all evil. Now, watch something here. He's saying that if you have bitterness and wrath and anger, you're going to have outbursts. You're going to smolder on the inside. You're going to yell at people. You're going to publicly yell at them. And on the other hand, he adds evil speaking. Sometimes... He says here that you're going to whisper behind their backs, and slander can be public or it can be very quiet. But the point here is this, is you've got the wrong relationship to people, if that's what you're doing. You see, it's all relational here. 
He's not talking so much about your relationship to God in this whole passage. It's how you relate to people because this is the body of the church and, and, and this is the concept here in this book of Ephesians. And when you deal with people, you can't be bitter and you can't be wrathful and you can't be angry. You cannot be clamorous and you cannot be slanderous or evil speaking. Listen, he says, get rid of all of that stuff. And he says, put it away. And look at what he says to take its place in verse 32. Look at it. And this is it. He says, be kind one to another. We're to be kind to each other. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the Christians. We're to be kind uh, to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You say, oh, man, but but you don't know what they did to me. (laughs) It doesn't matter what they did to you. We should have the response of being gracious and being kind to one another and being tenderhearted. You say, what about my rights? Well, the way I read it, is, is that when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we gave all that up for the glory of him. So a lot of times when we're offended, I know we get offended, but our response is supposed to be kind and tenderhearted. It doesn't mean you let people walk all over you. You don't trust those kind of people, but you're still kind and you're still tenderhearted and you gotta be forgiving Because if you're not, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to be bitter, and then you're going to be a prisoner because of that circumstance. Everybody say amen. Forgiving. It doesn't mean that you trust them again. It doesn't mean that you've reconciled with them. It just means that you're going to be kind, and you're going to be tenderhearted, and you're going to be forgiving. You're going to be forgiving because why? Because God has forgiven you. Because God has forgiven you. And that's the spirit that's going to make the church be able to care for one another. We've got to take some things off, and we've got to put some things on. Everybody, amen? So I think that's a good homework assignment, that we practice on being kind, we practice on being gracious and tenderhearted and forgiving of one another. It says, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we do thank you for our Savior this morning. And Lord, I thank you uh, for the word that we had here out of Ephesians chapter 4. And Lord, I, I pray that um, as, as your people, as your church, that we'll continue to work on these attributes of um, taking some things off and putting some things on. That Lord, that, um, that when we care for each other, that we, that we do so and we're kind and we're gracious and we're tenderhearted and we're forgiving. Lord, help us to be the church that we can be uh, and for our families, Lord, to be the families that we can be that serves Christ together. Lord, we thank you for our missionary, uh, Brother John, this morning and, and for the great work you're doing with him and through him down in Brazil. And we pray certainly for all of our other missionaries around this world too, Lord. But just put a special blessing um, upon Brother John and his family. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with me. Jeffrey, we are second generation missionaries to the country of Brazil. Your missionaries to Brazil to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the light of the world to a lost and dying country. We are there on behalf of the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Decatur, Texas. 
And I would like to echo the words of the Apostle Paul when he says, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. We are not there because uh, we want something. We are there for you, for your account. And there are souls in Brazil that are saved and on their way to heaven because you care and love God. So thank you so very much for your faithful financial and prayer support through the years. Uh, you know, folks, there is a difference to a missionary between uh, a church that gives and a church that gives faithfully. This church has never missed one beat. Amen. May God eternally bless you because of that. And I would like to encourage you this morning, sharing a little bit of a testimony that I didn't share in Sunday school. You've got to give something new to everybody, right? All right. Share a, a, something that God has done that has excited us. Everything God does excites me, but I mean, this really excited us, all right? Um, we have started two Two works, both of them have been turned over to Brazilian nationals, but God has laid in our heart a burden for the downtown section of Belém where the wealthy people live. The problem is they live in closed gated communities and they live in closed apartments that go up and you can't get in there unless you know someone. We don't know anybody like that. But God has laid on our heart a burden for them. We have tried, but since we don't know anybody, they won't let you in. I said, Lord, you're the one that gave me this burden. Now, with all due respect, do something about it. <laughs> well, folks, last week at the Cornerstone Baptist, I think it's the name, at the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona, we happened to be at a conference and we were staying in the house of a family that had a Brazilian exchange student. And folks, this is rare because most exchange students in Brazil come from the southern part of Brazil, Sao Paulo, Rio. This exchange student was from my town. He has very wealthy parents that live in that area. And while he's not saved, he had already gone back to Brazil. She was in, in, in com communication with him while we were there. And he sent a notice to her saying, tell them that we want to hear the gospel in our home. And I said, Lord, I'll never doubt you again. So, folks, we're excited about going back to Brazil getting to know this young man and his family who have opened their home to a Bible study. And a Bible study leads to salvation, which leads to the birth of a church. So, folks, while you are, are, are doing your work here in Decatur, pick up one of our prayer cards in the back. And when you remember to pray for the John Horton family, remember to pray for Paulo. That when we get back, that he would come to know the Lord as his Savior and open up, excuse me, that closed or that had been closed 
door in the downtown section of Belém, Brazil. Thank you so very much for your faithful support through the years. May the Lord continue to bless you. And on behalf of the Brazilian people who know the Lord, may God continue to use you greatly here in Decatur, Texas.